Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, two years ago and two weeks, uh, I found myself and my wife in, uh, in, in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Uh, we were at a pastors and spouse conference and retreat. Uh, it was uh, an interesting time. I was uh, eight and a half months, I guess, around eight months uh, as the lead pastor here at CCWC, enjoying uh, ministry, getting to know you all and many others, and understanding what it was like to serve here in southeastern Ohio in this context, learning a lot of new things. And rumors began to um, surface and began to kind of mix throughout at the conference that there was this, uh, this virus that was spreading um, in, in the continent of Asia and possibly could have an impact on us. Uh, I remember actually standing in the foyer of the conference center with our district superintendent, Les Crossfield, who's an uh, amazing leader in our, in our greater Ohio district here. And having a conversation with him, what do you think is going to happen? How will this affect us? What are we to do as a district? At that point, things were still fairly unclear. We didn't really know what was going to happen. We didn't know the extent of things or the things that were going to take place. And as we stood there, I asked Les for a revelation, so to speak, of things to come. I asked him of of what was going to happen, what, what, what were we to see, what truth could we gain from this. And at that point, no one fully knew. You didn't know, I didn't know what things were going to look like. We still sometimes look back and say, I don't really know if I fully understand what happened there, right? Well, this past week, I was blessed to go to that same conference. This time was a little different. I was on the, the planning and facilitating committee, so I was a little bit more busy this time than I would have been last time where I was just a participant. And as we walked through it, we discussed rest and we discussed all the different things with peers. At the same time, the speakers that were there, each one talked about what it meant to minister within the context of a post-pandemic world that we now live in and the things that have changed throughout that and within that. And as I look back at that, I can't help but realize in all of the things that took place and all the things that happened over the course of the last couple of years, and I won't go into all the things, you uh, know most of the things that took place, right? You, uh, unless you were, you know, in, uh, you know, under a rock somewhere, you, you understood all the things that happened. One thing I recognize, the fact that I, I didn't have a revelation of what was going to happen in those two years, I do know that you and I operated within the context of a revelation that was fulfilled, And most of the time when you hear the word revelation within the church context, you think about the end times, you think about the things to come, you think about all these things that haven't happened yet, right? Those are the the things that come, this kind of this buzzword, uh, going to uh, understand all these things to happen. But the revelation that took place within the context uh, of the last two years was just an outpouring of the fact that Christ brought forth the revelation that he will send another. He will send a comforter, a counselor, He will send one that will come to live with us. He will send and did send the Holy Spirit. And so for you and I, as we walk through the trials of life, particularly the things just looking at the last couple of years, we didn't do so alone. But instead, we walk through that with the power and the presence of a God who loves you and loves me. 
a God who brings comfort, a God who brings counsel, a God who engages us. And so today, as we continue in this series and looking at the promises of Jesus, looking at the teaches, the, the things that he taught, the, the, the gifts that he gave, today we focus specifically on, and I'll give you the, the ending first, we, think, we focus specifically on the fact that we live in not a post or a pre-Holy Spirit world, but we live in a present Holy Spirit world, which means that God dwells with you and with me. And if you're a believer in Jesus, God also dwells within you. Thank God for that. Thank God for the reality that no matter what we walk through, if we're a believer in Jesus, that we don't walk through it alone. You don't walk through the trials that you are in right now alone. The passage we're going to look at today is from gospel, the Gospel of John. It's John's Gospel, uh, chapter 14, and he's walking through uh, the teachings of Jesus and also some of the prophetic language of Jesus. In fact, as he engages here, he, he's coming to uh, this understanding for, for those that are reading now, but also for those that were there presently in that place, that he is, he's, he's uh, using prophetic language that he's going to leave He's going to go to a place and prepare a place for, for his disciples for, and also for you and for me. Now get this, this is a sorrowful time for the disciples. They are discouraged, they are down. Think about this for a moment. Your leader, so to speak, the person you admire, the person that you follow, the person you've been with all this time over the course of the last three years is going to leave you and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave. And, and at that point, the disciples... While they have given up so much, they've given up their, 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 uh, their lives, so to speak. They've given up everything they have. They've given up relationships. They've given up their, their business, everything they have to follow Jesus. And now they hear that he is going to leave them. This is the promised revelation. In fact, revelation defined, uh, I, I got two definitions here. The first one is a surprising and previously unknown fact especially one that is made known in a dramatic way. Now, there could be no, uh, no uh, discussion or, or no disagreement, I should say, on this one. It was surprising to the disciples to hear that Jesus, the one that they had followed, was going to simply leave them. It was also done in dramatic fashion, in dramatic way, where he says, well, hey, guess what? I'm going to leave, and when I do, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And where I go, there you may be also. What does that mean? Well, if you're going to go, why don't we just follow you? Why don't we all go at the same time? The second definition is the divine or supernatural disclosure of, to humans of something relating to human existence or the world. And Jesus sums up both of these specific definitions very clearly in his teaching and in his words to the disciples, and in turn also to the universal church, which includes us. The revelation we understand that Jesus is discussing here is the fact that he's discussing future tense. We now look at it as past tense, but we also look at it in the context of the fact that it has present and future implications for you and for me. And so I'm going to read John chapter 14, and we're going to read the first half of it starting at 15. We're going to read the first half of this passage that we're going to study today, and we will walk through a little bit of it, and then we'll come back and conclude by reading much of the rest. Verse 15, chapter 14, verse 15, it says this, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, 
I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. We're going to pause there. So elephant in the room, there is something beyond this world present in this place. There is something that we can't fully comprehend, that we can't fully understand, that is present in this place, in your room, if you're joining us online, right now. And it's not aliens from outer space, it's the Holy Spirit. And if I were to pause right now and, and even just pray and conclude, that would be enough. Because if we truly understood what it means to be in the presence of God himself through the person of the Holy Spirit, that's life-changing. That shatters our understanding. That changes everything in the context of working through struggles or how we work or the relationships we had or how we spend our time, talent, and treasure. If we truly believe that the Holy Spirit lives within the context of our heart as a believer— that changes everything. That changes all that we are. And that's what God is in the business of doing, is transforming his creation, you and I, to be made new, to be made holy, to be made like him. The first line is this, the revelation in and of itself, and I already gave you this, if you didn't write it down, here it is. The first line is this, the revelation is the Holy Spirit. What Jesus is promising here to his disciples, and, and it's an amazing how he does it because in his fashion, he, he uses a lot of words to basically say, you're not going to be alone. You're not going to be on your own. Now, there's some different things within there, some, within the context that we're going to walk through in just a moment, but you will not be alone. I am not leaving you nor forsaking you. Instead, what Jesus is saying is there will be another within this, this trinity, the context of, of the God that you serve that will be with you even after I leave. The departure of Jesus from his disciples would not sever their relationship with him at all. Instead, in a lot of ways, this relationship would continue and be extended through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit does stuff that you understand and I understand, does stuff that, that we would not be able to experience through Jesus. Brings forth an understanding in a way that where we understand God the Father and we understand God the Son in a different way that we would not be able to experience or understand through simply the person of Jesus. At the same time, the Holy Spirit's not launching something new. It's not time for, for the Old Testament and the New Testament and then the Newer Testament. Instead, the Holy Spirit is bringing forth a continuation of the teaching of God the Father and God the Son. And so the amazing thing here is that there's this, this recognition of the fact that the Spirit supports God the Father, the creator of all things. At the same time, edifies the Son, the, 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 the Jesus that we know, and brings forth an opportunity for us to be able to pray in his name. Jesus acts as the, the liaison, the one that knows, because he's the only one that's ever been God and human, right? He's the only one that has those two natures. And as a result, the Holy Spirit gives us the opportunity to pray in Jesus' name so that we can talk to the Father. Get that. That relationship is important. Sometimes we just think about God as, okay, that's God, right? That's God. But God is so dynamic. He's so intentional. He's so purposeful that he gives you and I 
flawed creations the opportunity to be able to experience him through his sacrifice of Jesus and his power and provision and comfort through the Holy Spirit. The very reality that the Holy Spirit is in the room right now or living, hopefully living within you right now gives us the opportunity to come into the presence of a holy God because of that power, something we can't do on our own. Let's take a deeper look at this passage and kind of understand what Jesus is getting at here, this revelation of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, once again, is a short one, but it's very important. If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. Right here, right off the bat, the Spirit comes only when he is rightly asked. And that's the point. The Spirit comes only when he is rightly asked. And the recognition here is that it's not a flippant thing. It's not something that's kind of a, well, if I feel up to it, or it's a a hot or cold thing, or it's a lukewarm thing. Instead, there's this this context of understanding that there must be a rightful invitation for the Holy Spirit to come. And that comes through humility. That comes through self-sacrifice. That comes through recognizing that God is God and I am not. I don't know if you've ever said that before. It's a great way to start the day. Because one, it, it, it calibrates you, but two, it's so freeing. When you recognize the fact that God is God and you are not, or I recognize that God is God and I am not, it takes the burden of trying to do the things that God wants to do off of your shoulders. It says, God, this is your work, your power. I will simply be your humble vessel and allow you to work in and through me. In other words, the Spirit dwells only in an atmosphere of obedience, of love to Jesus. The Spirit will be present when we are open, when we rightly ask, when we we talk to and discuss God, and we allow Him to be the one that fills us. For this reason, at the same time, the world cannot receive the Spirit. The world cannot receive the Spirit because of the fact that there's this opposition to the purposes of God. There's this opposition to what God wants, and therefore we must turn to God. We must must step forward in our understanding of who He is. Sadly, I think what happens in in some cases is that we we maybe ask God through through our, our, um, I'll say this, uh, maybe our immaturity or our lack of understanding to to come into our life and to be present in our life. But at the same time, we have this, this concept of wanting things a specific way. Or we hold on to things. Or we say, okay, God, you can, you can have this much, but not all of it. And what, the way that I, I get a visual picture of this is in the Middle Ages, a lot of times there would be knights that would be baptized. And they would be baptized with one arm up out of the water. And the reason for that is because they were going to go to battle and that arm would be the one that would wield the sword that was going to kill other people. And so the recognition for them was, well, I want my, my spirit, everything that I am to be baptized except for this one thing. And I think sometimes we do that spiritually as we hold on to this one thing or this one area. We have these things in our lives that we would rather hold on to. And so God, you can baptize all of me except for that area. I want to hold on to that because I've got a purpose, I've got a plan, I've got something I want to do here, you know, my vocation or this relationship or this treasure that you've given me. I'm going to do my own thing in this specific area. My, uh, my, my cousin tells the story of when his family went on a vacation. And they, there, were, uh, there were actually five kids, three of them were boys, and so um, they, would, they would go on vacation, and when they did, there was always a, you know, a lot of activity, a lot of fun, and this time specifically, they went to a hotel, and this hotel had a hot tub in it. And the youngest boy, uh, he got in the pool, and he said, you know what, this is really cold, I'm going to get in the hot tub, and I just want to hang out in the hot tub, it's so warm, I want to be in here, and I just want to enjoy this. 
and he sat in the hot tub while his siblings all jumped around, and, and he recognized they were having a lot of fun kind of dunking going underwater and how much fun that was, and so he decided he was going to go underwater in the hot tub. And so he went in under the water all the way, came back up, and, and was greeted specifically by his father saying, if you do this again, I'm going to say Jordan, uh, that's not his name, or maybe it is, I don't know. Um, Jordan, don't go underwater anymore, okay? It's not good for you to do it in the hot tub. Don't go underwater. And as his dad turned his back, he went under the water again. And he got yelled at, if you go under the water one more time, you have to get out. And so time went on, and he kind of sat there in the water, and, and he, he was just kind of warming up. And eventually the kids started getting out, and they were heading to another activity. And he looks over at his dad, and he says, Dad, Dad, and he gets his attention. Dad, Dad, over here. He says, yeah, what's going on, Jordan? He says, I just want to let you know, I'm getting out. And as he did, he dunked underwater one more time, and he got out. And the recognition was that, hey, I'm not allowed to do this, but since, since I'm all done, I'll just go ahead and do this one last thing. And I think sometimes that's indicative of the behavior that we have, maybe in our immaturity, as we attempt to say, okay, God, I'll follow you, I'll do what I want, but I still want to hang on to this one thing, or I still want to kind of bend the rules, or I want to go by the letter of the law so that I can figure out some way to wield it in my own way. And what this concept is right here, the implication is your invitation to the Spirit is confirmed by your life. The invitation is confirmed by your life. It's not a one-time deal where you say, okay, God, I'm ready. Let's do this. You know, you start the race, then you kind of wander off and do your own thing. No, there's this continuation of, of running, this continuation of this journey together. And the implication for you and for me is that as we have this invitation, we continue to live a life that glorifies God. Not one that attempts to try to walk by the letter of the law or tries to figure out ways to, to get around it or cut corners, but instead one that honors God, that loves God, that follows Him. The next verse is extremely profound. actually has a couple of points that, that tailor back to it. In verse 16, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Some translations here say uh, he will give you another comforter or another counselor. And the point is the Spirit comes only in response to the prayer of Jesus. Right here, Jesus is, is affording the opportunity for us to be able to experience the Holy Spirit. Do you get that? We're, we're only able to experience the, the coming of the Holy Spirit because of the sacrifice of the living God in Jesus. In just a few short weeks, we celebrate one of the greatest, perhaps the greatest uh, miracle ever, and, the, and one of the greatest acts of passion in Jesus going to the cross, dying, and then coming back from the dead. And what an amazing thing that is to recognize that that's not just some historical happenstance. That's not just some historical event that we look back on and mark on the calendar. But instead, that has real implications from thousands of years ago for you and for me on this earth and eternally. Christ's death and resurrection is still transforming lives and still affording the opportunity for you and I to be able to experience the life of the Holy Spirit. My brother-in-law is, is uh, he's from Puerto Rico, and, and he uh, speaks English and Spanish fluently. And the recognition, this is one of the, the ways that I, I understand uh, the, the, this concept of Jesus being our liaison, being the one that comes, bring, being the one that engages with God the Father through the Holy Spirit, is, is for a while, and actually still does it from time to time, he will be summoned to court, not to, to testify or because he's in trouble, but he'll be summoned to court as a translator. 
There'll be someone there that doesn't speak English. And so he'll go and he will translate for the the defendant or the prosecutor, whoever it might be, so that there's a, a good understanding of communication between those who are speaking different languages. Let me just tell you, the world speaks a different language than our God. And because of the lifeline, because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, we have the opportunity to step into a moment of experiencing, knowing, and being able to have conversation and engagement with a holy God. There's no other way to do it. There's no other easy one, two, three steps. There's there's no, okay, well, here's the, the secret to it, or if I Google it, I'll find some other answer. No, there's only one way, and it's through Jesus. The presence of the Spirit should remind us that uh, the, the goodwill and compassion of Jesus should, should flow through us, should outpour. That first song that we sang as, as we walk through this understanding of, of this outpouring of the Spirit and outpouring of engaging with God. And the implication there is the presence of the Holy Spirit should increase our love and loyalty to the Lord. The presence of the Holy Spirit should increase our, our, our level, our understanding, our, our love and loyalty to the Lord. It should bring forth a, a, a desire to want to know Him in a greater way, a desire to, to engage in, in truth and in, and in compassion, engage in humility and love. If the Spirit is indwelling within you, there should be a change. There should be a transformation. The text once again discusses this, this advocate, right? It says, and he will give you another advocate or comforter or, or counselor. If you've ever seen a, a small child who maybe has that toy or that blanket that they, they hold on to, it brings them such great comfort. That, you know, they, they're, they're unsettled without it. They might cry. They might be discouraged because they don't have it. Right here, we recognize the fact that this, this, the Holy Spirit is the one who brings forth comfort, the one who, who puts us in a different place. And, and the point is the Spirit provides necessary instructional and legal support. Instructional and legal support. And you might be reading this thing or, you know, listening and thinking, what what instructional, what legal support. The first one I'll, I'll say is this. They're both tied up in this, this book that we, uh, that we use called uh, the Holy Scripture, right? First of all, there's instructional things here. And sometimes people will say, well, you know, I just want to follow God's will, but I don't know what he wants. Or, or we see even in the context of, of churches sometimes where they kind of get off kilter in their understanding of, of what it means to honor God, what it means to follow God. And, and, and they'll even, you know, consider some things that are sin uh, actually good and they'll celebrate them. Well, the recognition is the Spirit is the one that brings forth the understanding of Scripture, of instruction. And at the same time, the Spirit brings forth an understanding of what it means legally or what it means to follow the law or to follow what God has for us. Because you and I know if we try hard enough and we analyze it enough, there's pretty much every law, specifically even in Scripture, we can find a way to maybe get around what God's trying to say. You and I know that at the same time, if we have a point that we want to make, we can probably find a Scripture passage and pluck it out of context and make it prove our point. Boy, that, and that's holy too, right? Well, I found a Bible verse that shows that I am right. And I'll tell you, there's about 15 things wrong with the sentence I just used, right? What the expression is here is that the Holy Spirit is one that provides the real truth. That helps us to understand truth. That helps us to understand how we're to live, what we're to do, what, what the rules, so to speak, are. And how those rules were fulfilled through the person of Jesus. 
Praying in God's will and understanding things is a difficult thing to do for, for many, but the recognition is this. Praying in God's will just simply means praying in his scripture, in, in his word, in what he's granted us. And the implication is the Holy Spirit is always present with you. And so when you think, you know what, I don't know how I can get past this issue in my life. I don't know how I can work through this struggle I'm having with my child. I don't know how I'm going to get through this financial issue or how I'm going to work through this, this, this situation at work. Just recognize this. Now, I will, I'm going to say this up front. It's not all going to be perfect in the context of how the world would define it. Everything is not going to work out specifically. In fact, if you remember two weeks ago, I talked about, and we're going to talk about this in a couple of weeks as well. It's going to be real popular. There will be trials in life. There will be things that the world defines as trials. It's not always going to be easy as we would define it. But you will not in any circumstance, ever go it alone because the Spirit will be present in your life. And that implication maybe is the most encouraging of all. Picking up on verse 17, we'll work into some, some new information as well. It says the Spirit of truth, that's the, the secondary part of, of verse 16. The world cannot accept Him because it, it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Man, that is such an encouraging passage. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live and you also, and you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. And whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? I love it when people ask questions of Jesus in Scripture. Maybe you're, you're like me in this, right? Sometimes I ask the same questions, like, thank you for asking that because I really would appreciate an answer. And Jesus replies, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and, and we will come, we will come to them and make our home with them. The point is the Holy Spirit brings understanding of the Father. The Holy Spirit brings understanding to the Father of the Father. And it's interesting to note this because uh, if, if you've ever asked the question before, God, why? God, tell me about yourself. God, reveal yourself to me. In many cases, his response could be, I already have. I'm right here. I'm with you. The fact that you're not talking to some distant God off in a distant universe somewhere else, instead I am right here intimately in the room with you as you say this prayer, in the car with you, in, 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 wherever you might be on a walk. When you're asking God those questions, his, his response of I am right here with you is all, I mean it's a starting point, but it's all we need to know to some extent about the character, the nature, the provision of a holy God. And the implication is this, only through the realization and dwelling of the, Holy, of the Holy Spirit can we experience God. And that word experience, and I'll finish the point, experience God and bear witness to the world. But that word experience is so crucial 
Because that indicates the fact that there is a relationship, there is an entity to, to engage with, not just some set of rules or some set of things that we're supposed to do or we're supposed to engage in, in some kind of dusty and old religion, but instead this is an engagement with the, the Holy Spirit, with God. Only through the realization and indwelling of the Holy Spirit can we experience God and bear witness to the world. Have you ever been discouraged because you feel like there's so much to learn about God? Like you don't measure up, like you don't know as much as this person or that person, or, or you see somebody else that's, that's reading their, their scripture at work or maybe even at home, and you're almost like jealous. Like, man, they're so, uh, they're so smart. They know so much. I'd venture to say that in most cases, it's not because of the things they do, but it's because of the, the engagement they have. And it's not necessarily some goal, okay, I'm going to be more holy than this person or that person. But the concept is this, and, and this is something that I will, uh, I, I will confess I am not great at, and it's this idea of dwelling in rest, right? Dwelling in the rest and being with God. This, this study that I've been going through over the course of the last several weeks is this, this study of, of relational rest with God. Meaning not doing things or not engaging in activity, but simply being comfortable, being in the presence of the God who created you and created me. Maybe that's in nature, maybe that's going for a walk, maybe that's in, in your living room, maybe, uh, you know, wherever it might be, but just resting in God. How many of you would say that you, you rest in God? I'll make this rhetorical, you don't have to raise your hand or say anything, but how many would you say just kind of, if you look at a, at a, at a reel of your last week or a transcript of, uh, of, of, of your life over the course of last week, how much rest did you engage in with the holy God? I can tell you mine wouldn't be high. And I have weeks that higher than others. This past week was a, quote, busy one. And obviously we want to wear the busy badge because that makes us look important, right? But this was a busy one. But I'll tell you that rest with God in a lot of ways is really the requirement or the desire or the ask of a holy God. And finally, verse 26, it reads like this. But the advocate, the counselor, the, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all the things and remind you of everything I have said to you. It's hard to be taught when you're talking. It's hard to learn when you're saying everything or when you think you have all the words. Just like we talked about several weeks ago with preconceived notions. When you come with all the answers, it's hard to listen for the answers. Get this, it's, it's not new material. Instead, it's an affirmation of God's nature, His action, His character, His teaching. In actuality, the mission and purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to bring forth this whole new thing, but for us to understand what we already knew about an affirming God. And the points there are the Holy Spirit affirms the revelation and teaching of Jesus. It's what He came for, is to teach the things that we already know, to affirm the things that we've already understood. And the implication is to embrace God through relationship with the Spirit. Live in rest with him. The best part is that it's not just about this cognitive exercise of checking the boxes of what we're supposed to know about Scripture and what we learn about God. It's a personal relationship with the creator of the world through the person of the Holy Spirit. 
You know, all the stuff that's going on around us in the world, and it's not new. Satan has no new tactic, and simply, in a lot of ways, his desire is to keep us busy, to keep us, uh, you know, uh, off focus, or to keep us directed towards, not just the, tar- not towards the, the bullseye, some way are on the target, but not necessarily the place that he wants us to go. All the stuff that's going on, it appears that God is, can be distant, or that he's not present, or that he doesn't hear us. However, God has not, let me just, maybe you need to hear this today. God has not abandoned you. God has not left you to your own devices. God has not said, okay, you know what? That's enough. You've done too much or you, you didn't do what I wanted you to do. God has not said goodbye to you. Maybe you're asking for his presence or asking for his spirit in a way that, that is, is not indicative of having a right relationship or right understanding or humility, but God has not walked away from you. I'm going to share the bottom line, and then we're going to transition now into a a time of of response. The bottom line is this. Jesus Christ has not abandoned us. The Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit has come, is here, is present with us even in these moments. Verse 27 reads like this. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I I do not give to you as the world gives, but do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The only way that you can live without your heart being troubled and without being afraid is in the acknowledgement that Jesus has come and that the Holy Spirit is present. That's it. There's no other way to live without an understanding of what trouble is or being afraid. Instead, this context is that God is present in your life through the person of the Holy Spirit. In the next few verses, Jesus describes his revelation and what life is to come. And as he does so, he brings forth this this concept, this necessity for us to note that the Holy Spirit brings power in the midst of our weakness, brings power in the midst of our unknowingness, brings power in the midst of our world that may seem like it's falling apart around us. Sometimes I think Satan wants to get us to a place of this narrative of, of the Diary of the Wimpy Kid narrative, right? Where there's, there's, there's no way out. You know, I, I'm the victim of all things. I'm beaten down. I, I, you know, everybody's out to get me. And the problem isn't necessarily that that concept exists. The problem is sometimes for you and for me, especially as people who believe in Jesus and who have the Spirit living in us, as we start to believe it. We start to believe that we, we're not good enough. We start to believe that there's nothing to offer. We start to believe that the world is just destroying around us and that not, not only you know, out there, but right in our own homes, everything is going bad. Everything that we have is going bad. And not only do we believe it, sometimes we begin to reiterate those things. We begin to tell ourselves those lies. And, that, and this cycle of toxic thought begins. And what takes place is, is that we, we, we holistically begin to get, get sick. Can I tell you, Dr. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, is a, she's a Christian brain scientist, and she says, she states this. Now, I'm not talking about, uh, you know, if you, if you break your arm, you know, falling off a bicycle. But she says this, that in, in 90% of physical ailments are the result of terrible, toxic thoughts and things that we tell ourselves. Did you know that you can think yourself? Now, don't, don't, no students do this so that you get out of school, but you can think yourself into being sick. There's something that Scripture says uh, about being renewed, right? 
being renewed. And when we are renewed, or when we're made new by the renewing of our mind, the recognition there is that God fills our thoughts. God brings forth a new day. God brings forth a, a destruction of toxic thoughts and a thinking that is engaging towards him. Here's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to transition now to a, to a time of, of prayer and a time of response. In just a moment, I'm going to pray to open this time up, and, and I'll ask you to stand at that point. And we're going to sing together. But as we sing, here's, here's what I want to do. I recognize and you recognize that the pandemic did not have simply, and all the things that went along with it, did not have simply just an effect on maybe your wallet or maybe an effect on your presence or your engagement with other people, but it also had a mental effect on us. And so this morning, as, as we close out this service, as we transition now, I want to have a time of prayer specifically for mental healing. A time of prayer where we throw away the toxic thoughts that we may be believing or we may be saying to ourselves, the things that we may be thinking, and allowing God to fill us, recognizing that the Holy Spirit is here in this place right now. And He offers reconciliation and renewal to you and to me. You may often hear about a healing service where someone prays over someone for physical healing, and we can do that today too, but I want to physically pray over any of you and anoint you even if you would like healing from mental, uh, mental health issues or, or toxic thoughts or things in your life where you're walking through anxiety or depression or whatever it might be, because Satan would want nothing more to keep you in that place. But what Satan means for, 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 for destruction, for damage, God uses for good. And so would you stand with me as we pray and we transition to this moment? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the reality of your word. I thank you for what you do. I thank you for how you transform lives and how you move and how, God, that you are a present God. It is, it's mind-boggling to think about the fact that you're here right now that you care about us so much and you could, you, you're, you're the infinite God of all things, but you choose to dwell in a place with us and, and, and engage with us in a place where we can know you, where we can experience you, where we can have relationship with you. And so God, today as we come and we, we bow figuratively or quite literally even before your cross, may we experience you afresh and anew. May we hear your voice. May we know you in a greater way. May we be made new because of your truth. In your son's name we pray. Amen. If you'd like to come and pray, the altars are open. At the same time, I'll be over here. And I would love to, to, to pray with you, to pray over your need, to anoint you if you'd like this morning as we ask God for healing in all things. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.